Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that normally sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better. But this week, we're going ape on our triple threat week. So, on Monday, we went through the original 1968 Planet of the Apes, which... You know, by the turn of this century, really needed an update. It was old, and the twist ending was something everyone knew. Time for a reimagining, and a new, better twist. Step forward, Tim Burton and Mark Wahlberg in 2001's Planet of the Apes. One day they'll tell a story, and some will say it was just a fairy tale. About a human who came from the stars changed our world. It's disgusting the way we treat humans. How the hell did they get like this? What other way would they be? If they see you on the street, they kill you on sight. You stay here, you're already dead. Where are you from? United States Air Force. I'm going back. Some humans have escaped. Is there another way out of the city? I can show you the way. So we'll be back on Saturday with 2011's Rise of the Planet of the Apes. But for now, let's get into this chimp carnage. It's Clash of the Titles. Hello, Clash Butters. I'm getting every electronic communication from Earth from all time. The storm must be bouncing it back to us. I'm Alex Zane. <laughs> I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. Chris is still joining us remotely. How are you, Chris? You all right? Yeah, I'm excellent. I'm excited to talk about this film, kind of. Yeah, you are. I'm excited to hear you talk about this film, Vicky. Yeah, me too. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is the one that I sort of, I forced us to do a little bit, but I think it was a really interesting idea to discuss this. I think people, us, you, me, Clash Potters, strangers we might meet on the street, yeah. would all be interested to talk about this movie above and beyond any other film ever. A hundred percent. Great. Uh, very quickly, if you haven't subscribed to us, if you'd be kind enough to do that, that would be awesome. Uh, you can do that on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, if you want to leave us a review as well, that would be cool because... Chris Tilly, a.k.a. Chris Thrilly, will occasionally read them out, which sounds a bit like this. Chris. It's from James, who writes, If, like me, you love movies, then this is the podcast for you. 
The passion the presenters have for film is great to listen to, all coming from completely different backgrounds, as far as I'm aware, meaning they sometimes interpret things so differently, which can create great debate. Oh, Thank that's you, James. Nice. Thank yeah, you, James. Lovely, James. Really I mean, nice. do you two come from completely different backgrounds? <laughs> Um, I think our paths diverged at a certain point, but um... I don't. I don't quite get. Are you accusing us of coming from the same background and pretending what we don't? What the go? fuck is that supposed to mean, by <laughs> no, the way? No, not you, Chris. That's a weird question. Accusing, accused because if you were the same as me, that's oh a problem. Oh my god! No. Wait, where is this chip from? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, wow. No, I didn't mean that at all. I just, I was like, I was just interested to know. It's an interesting question. We, I mean, because there is, we have a shared history. Yeah, but we're from. Sim, I oh, don't know what. Don't worry about it. <laughs> like... I, I wasn't. <laughs> I thought I, we had quite a similar upbringing. Yeah. yeah. I'm I not sure like this review thank, section is. I'd like to thank James for causing so much tension with just one little comment there. <laughs> yeah, we're both. I didn't realise you thought you were above me. I didn't say that. <laughs> we're both from the north. We both went to Goldsmiths. It's a, it, it, we have we have very similar stories, histories. Yeah. Okay. It's, that's great. I'm, I'm. I'm proud to share my history. With you. <laughs> I'm proud to be part of your world. I, I... Let's get on with Wait, it. Come okay. up. Come up. Fucking James, man. <laughs> that's what he always does. <laughs> Stirring it. Oh. So, part two of three, as I said on Saturday, we will be back uh, on the Golden Gate Bridge when it adds a chimpanzee to its list of animal tormentors over the years. But for now, it's Tilly time. Chris takes on a journey. Marky Mark and the Monkey Bunch stars Mark Wahlberg as Leo Davidson, an idiot who pilots a pod to rescue a chimp, in the process creating not one, but two Planet of the Apes. He's the worst hero in film history. Nothing he does makes anyone's situation better, and everything he does makes things worse. The film ends with Leo being reunited with that chimp, the one he piloted a pod to rescue then promptly abandoning said chimp so he can witness a twist that redefines the phrase ape shit. <laughs> Alex and Vicky Alex and Vicky presenting the third best movie this week, Tim Burton's <laughs> Planet of the Apes. Here we go. So, uh, Vicky, when did you first mm. watch this one? I actually don't think I've seen it, but do you know what? I know all the key moments... So I'm not sure. Um, I did. I read a lot about it when it came out because I was fascinated by Helen Bonham Carter's face. Um, but I actually don't know if I've seen it. But it's it. You know, it felt very familiar. But the story itself, the actual like the, the sort of cut and thrust of the story, so forgettable that I I don't. I actually don't know. Alex, can you remember? <laughs> Yeah, the only reason I can remember is it's such a weird story, my relationship with this film. Like, it was two, so what, 2001 it came out. I ended up at a packed uh, Odeon in Leicester Square. So, this is before I was working in sort of the industry, like journalism or anything. And um, and so, I was, I don't know how I was there, like whether a friend took me or whatever, but I was in a packed early screening of this in Leicester Square. And the movie finished. And even at the time, I remember going, oh, that's a bit shit. And the entire place erupted in a round of applause. Like, and all I can think now, sort of thinking back, it's like, because that never happens at a screening. And like, sure, Tim Burton at this point was like a bit of a god. And, you know, there were going to be a lot of fans there. But they all saw the same film I saw. 
and I think maybe it was like it was for like you know a crew sort of like or a film studio screening because like there was no reason to applaud the end of that piece of shit movie <laughs> and people really were like rah, rah, rah. and that's my memory of it and I sometimes do think back and go did I dream the whole thing like was it a fever dream but it can't be because that is the only time I've seen this film because I watched it and I went I will never watch that again and that said I was excited to watch it for this episode because I'm like uh, I think it's going to be so bad it's good mm. it fucking isn't it's just <laughs> fucking dull uh, I, I watched it in the cinema as well I was I travelled around Australia for about three months and the only time I went to the cinema in that three months was to see this because I was so excited about it I didn't know much more beyond it was Tim Burton directing and Mark Wahlberg starring but at the time you know Mark Wahlberg you know through Boogie Nights and Three Kings and stuff like that he was he seemed like a pretty good actor um, and yeah, I was excited to see what Tim Burton would do with this. So yes, I had similar reaction to you, Alex. I just remember, well, my cinema, it was the opposite. There just seemed to be sort of stunned silence, silence <laughs> at the end and, and people just sort of going, what? And sort of laughing at the screen. So yeah, the yeah. opposite. There was so much about it though. Like I remember, like, I remember like, you know, you, I don't know whether it was on the internet, probably not, probably on TV, like watching like featurettes about monkey school, like ape mm, school that yeah, they sent I all the cast to like, yeah. and like videos behind the scenes of like people teaching like the Helena Bonham Carter how to mm. walk yeah. in it's the Terry makeup. Notary. It's Terry Notary. Yeah, that's it. right. Terry yeah. Notary. Yeah. Okay. So let's do some behind the scenes. Um, when I ended up with this film, you'd sort of laughed, Alex, because you know how many stories there are behind the scenes of this film or how long it took to get to the screen. Insane. So what I've tried to do to cut it down is I've sort of gone through the major players with their with with the story that they were going to tell. And I thought if I if I sort of describe those to you, maybe at the end you can say which one of those you would have preferred to have seen the, to Tim Burton's one. Yeah, let's one. do that. That's good. Yeah. I like Starts that. off with Adam Rifkin, um, the guy who did Detroit Rock City. Uh, in 1988, Fox commissioned him to write a sequel, uh, not to the fifth film, but as an alternative sequel to the 68 film. His concept was that the ape empire had reached its Roman era and a descendant of Charlton Heston's character would lead a human slave revolt against the oppressive Roman-esque apes. And the way it's been described since then is it's it was sort of gladiator before gladiator. Like it. I like that idea. Like it. Mm. Uh, Peter Jackson, in late 1992, uh, Peter Jackson pitched his own treatment with a storyline that continued the ape saga from where it left off in the fifth movie. Quote, we imagined their world being in the midst of an artistic renaissance, which made the ape government very nervous. It was a time of amazing art. and We wanted Roddy McDowell to play an elderly chimpanzee that we based a little on Leonardo da Vinci. The plot involved the humans rising in revolt and a half-human, half-ape central character that was sheltered by the liberal apes but hunted down by the gorillas. Yeah, I'm not not as keen on that version, personally speaking. I, I'm, I'm still sold on Adam Rifkin's version right now. Okay, uh, Oliver Stone. By late 1993, Oliver Stone uh, boarded as executive producer slash co-writer of a potential apes movie, and he wanted a story based on apes from an ancient civilization with biblical connections. Quote, It has the discovery of cryogenically frozen Vedic apes who hold the secret numeric codes to the Bible that foretold the end of civilization. It deals with past versus the future. My concept is that there's a code inscribed in the Bible that predicts all historical events. The apes were there at the beginning and figured it all out. So that was his setup 
fuck yeah. Yeah, sounds yeah. amazing. Sold. <laughs> yeah. Sold Mostly because it's him man. as well. It's like his version of that. Sold to that man high with a cigar in his mouth. <laughs> they were they were considering Sam Raimi to direct it, and that's around the time that Arnold Schwarzenegger was getting mentioned to, to star. And speaking of Schwarzenegger, the next name is James Cameron, who um, he was in discussions on, on a couple of occasions. Um, but initially, the idea was a reinvention using 90s technology and a completely new story described as Gorillas in the Mist meets the Terminator. Um, Mad Max 2 and 3 uh, scribe Terry Hayes then wrote a screenplay called Return of the Apes, which was set in the near future where a plague is making humans extinct. Geneticist Will Robinson discovers the plague is a genetic time bomb embedded in the Stone Age. He time travels with a pregnant colleague named Billy Ray Diamond to a time when humans were at war for the future of the planet with highly evolved apes. Robinson and Diamond discover a young human girl named Eve to be the next step in evolution. They protect her from the virus, thus ensuring the survival of the human race. Billy Ray then gives birth to a baby boy named Adam. Sounds like a generic 90s blockbuster. I mean, you know, I think as a sentence, it's Terminator. Meets gorillas in the mist. <laughs> it's it's it sounds great, but it makes no fucking sense whatsoever. Uh, Philip Noyce was going to direct it, uh, but then there was a disagreement over the tone uh, because, as one producer put it, Terry Hayes wrote the Terminator, and Fox wanted the Flintstones. Yeah, and also, like you've got to have the word planet in there. Like you can't just say Return of the Apes. It sounds like it sounds ridiculous. It's got to be Return to the Planet of the Apes, for okay. example. Return uh, of the Apes. It's got to have the word planet in it. We're nearly there. We're, we're on to Chris Columbus, director of Home Alone. Um, he hired uh, the Batman screenwriter Sam Hamm, and uh, his draft featured an ape astronaut from another planet crash landing on New York Harbor, launching a virus that will make human beings extinct. Dr. Susan Landis, who works for the uh, CDC, Alexander Troy, an Area 51 scientist, and a team of pilots and scientists use the ape spacecraft to return the virus to the virus planet of origin, hoping to find an antidote. They find an urban ape land civilization led by Lord Zaius, where apes armed with heavy weapons hunt speechless humans. Landis and Troy discover the antidote and return to Earth, only to find their 74-year absence that apes have taken over the planet. The Statue of Liberty's once proud porcelain features have been crudely chiseled into the grotesque likeness of a great grinning ape. I'm all right with that, actually. I'm not totally against that. It feels a bit predators, which I don't mind. <laughs> okay. I like the Predators. You know Predators, the one where with Adrian Brody where they go to the Predators planet. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah you yeah. know, there's something kind of cool about apes yeah. with heavy weapons hunting mute humans. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, James Cameron was back in the mix to executive produce and write. Uh, Michael Bay was suggested director, although ultimately the director of Stay Sold. Tuned. Let me stop you right there. Michael Bay was going to direct one of these. That's no, but, the movie I want to see. But they went for the director of Stay Tuned instead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Peter, really? Hyams, Peter Hyams landed the gig But then um, Fox rejected Hyams as director Cameron quit the project Schwarzenegger walked And that brings us to Tim Burton So which one of those do you like best? I don't like any of them <laughs> like, Come on, yeah you do So totally like the Da Vinci Code Yeah, no, the Oliver Stone Yeah, the Da Vinci Code with monkeys yeah. and Bible I'm just uh, a the... bit of a sucker for stuff like that Because trying to explain Like it's the Indiana Jones thing Like this thing that you know has got this secret And it doesn't It doesn't need to be a fucking monkey that unlocks it But it is, I mean I'm, I did read the Da Vinci Code And I didn't mind the film Like it's fine um, Because it is fun to have like a quest like that with there, something based in the real world. Exactly. And that's it. There's no denying that the, the minute that you sort of go, but 
this is based on this painting. You could, the Mona Lisa yeah. gives away this or what, you know, whatever the last supper, the painting of the last supper, like the minute you attach it to something real, you do go, so wait, is it real? Yeah. Is it real? <laughs> yeah. Is it, is it real or is it, sorry, is that fiction or fact? Where, 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 and you blur the line and people love that shit. So yeah, Oliver Stone, uh, get back on, the, get back on that. Yeah. What, which version would you go for, Chris? Uh, I'm with you, Oliver Stone. You think Oliver Stone as well? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Tim Burton got the gig, but how that began was uh, in March 1999, uh, William Brawls Jr. of Apollo 13 fame wrote a script entitled The Visitor, uh, which was a new apes movie. And uh, it was between Burton and Frank Darabont, but ultimately uh, Burton was chosen in February 2000. And that's the first time I think I ever heard the word reimagining because he said he wasn't going to do a remake or a sequel. He was going to do a reimagining, which... Yeah, the film that sullied the word reimagining forever. Yes. Know. It sounds like quite a cool word. You heard that at that point. You're like, ooh, reimagining. And ever since this movie, you're like, fuck off. <laughs> uh, Fox then invited Richard Zanuck uh, on board, uh, the former head of production, um, who obviously produced the 68 movie, as discussed on Monday. Uh, so he this joined is the, pro- the woman who'll be playing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, and then there was a bit of a sad thing happened. Stan Winston, who had previously worked with Burton on Edward Scissorhands and Batman Returns, did a bunch of amazing designs for the film, but they decided to go with uh, Rick Baker rather than Winston. Burton said that was tough for him. Uh, He commented, I have a relationship with both of them, so that decision was very hard. But I think Baker had worked on uh, Greystoke and uh, Gorillas in the Mist and Mighty Joe Young, so he sort of, he knew what he was doing, I think Fox felt. Uh, Mark Wahlberg was signed on uh, to play the astronaut in a two-picture deal. Uh, we're still waiting for the second mm-hmm. of those two pictures to come to life. How? How? I mean, do you, do you think? Do you think there is an audition tape somewhere that, if it was released and we saw it, you would be like, "Fucking get, yeah, of course he should have got that role because <laughs> he nailed that audition." Mm. Because at what at what point in your life do you go? Do you see the words astronaut and Mark Wahlberg and th- and go yes? <laughs> Those two things belong together. Now, I, listen, I'm saying this. I'm a huge Mark Wahlberg fan. Yeah. And I, I think he does what he does very well. What he doesn't do is play a fucking astronaut. Mm. But then neither did Charlton Heston, I guess. So I suppose he thought it was fine. Like... If, if, if this opened with Mark Wahlberg puffing away like on a pack of 20, like <laughs> sitting in the, like, the space zoo of the chimps, I'd be like, I, I prefer that to everything else he does in this film. Yeah. In in um in the book Burton on Burton, which I'm going to do a few quotes from there, edited by Mark Salisbury, he does ask him about the casting of Mark Wahlberg, and Burton's answer is, "I found him to be just very impressive, really solid in the films I'd seen him in, and what this needed when you've got Talking Apes is someone who's solid." I asked him to play it real straight, so that's he almost sort of. I feel like he's almost trying to explain why Wahlberg's acting in this in that particular way. But yeah, it's no excuse. We'll talk more about. Uh, no, if the big, if the biggest compliment as the director of a film you can muster for your star is they're solid. They take I agree. Space. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. They're, I agree. I think I think they you can read between the lines mass. a bit there. Um, yeah. So Broyles' treatment was projected at a two hundred million dollar budget, and Fox wanted to cut it to one hundred million dollars. And so um, two months before they started shooting, Broyles quit the project over these script changes he was asked for and someone else came in and they had this release date they had to hit um which truncated pre-production and editing and visual effects work and they were they were basically rewriting the script even as the sets were being constructed 
So um, in Burton on Burton, which is quite a few years after this, um, looking back on that, Burton says it's the it's the first projects I've been involved with where I knew it was not a mistake as such, but that it was the most dangerous because it's based on a movie I loved growing up. Don't remake a classic is the false rule of thumb. Um, I had this perverse fascination of attempting something you probably shouldn't do. I started to get into kind of an angry mode because the studio would just say, cut the budget, cut the budget. It mutated in a way. And you end up aging and wasting time and energy and your health decline. So it was tough. So basically, this film was such a bad experience, it made him ill. I mean, I said at the time, I think you're probably going to disprove this theory when we get round to the twist at the end. But my feeling, because I love Tim Burton, and I feel like this is yet another Tim Burton movie we're doing on this show. I'm starting to have my doubts about Tim Burton because (laughs) of this. No, no, we just have picked, we picked his worst films to talk about. So again, fucking love Tim Burton. Tim Burton is a fucking genius. And like watching this movie, my that my thought process for that twist ending was like, this is a fuck you to the studio. Mm. This is him going, you have fucked me over on this movie so much. I'm, I, you know, even though people might come back and go, oh, that Tim Burton ending, mm. it is just like, it is a massive fuck you to the studio to just go, just sort of go, there you go. That's your, that's a made up ending. It's <laughs> utter nonsense, utter nonsense, which is what you've made me make with this film. Yeah. Well, we'll get to the ending. I do have some quotes from him looking back at the ending that seem somewhat confused and contradictory, but, um, Let's talk about the movie, shall we? Mm. I cannot wait. Go. So it's 2029 and there's a chimp in a spacesuit flying a ship. And then why? he crashes the ship. What? Why? 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 Why are chimps like the, like the scout pilots in the future when there are fucking robots and spaceships in, in the first place? Why have you gone, yeah, we're going we, we're gonna to use AI or a computer or anything. We're going to have probes. <laughs> but no, what we, well, there are an excess of fucking chimps on Earth. <laughs> so, you know, we're going to put them in spaceships. We're off to a bad start. Uh, it turns out it's a virtual simulation. And then we meet our hero, Leo Davidson, played by Mark Wahlberg. And he doesn't seem to like chimps very much, does he? He calls it a name, teases it. He says, you lose again, dickhead. I feel like like this film should set him up as loving chimps or having this particularly strong connection with chimps, but really he seems to absolutely detest them. Yeah, because chimps have stolen his job, Uh, you know, as we're we're told with the uh, truly fantastic line, never send a monkey to do a man's job. (laughs) Uh, Vicky, you're like this. Uh, Shooting this scene, Tim Burton said that he found it quite frightening because... On the first day, all the chimp wanted to do was hump his foot, his leg, his arm, his face and his back. Yeah. And the next day it was spitting on him and wanted to kill him. Yes. Um, on a serious you- note, do you think the insurance people for the film had someone standing just out of shot? With a gun. With a gun. Yeah, of course. That's dark, isn't it? When you think about that and that, that lady astronaut's like, oh, they're, they're so just, yeah, they're nice and whatever, and give them a cuddle. It will have been a, it will have been a trank gun, but it will have but been still. a gun. But the thing is, it's uncomfortable that this, like, of all, this is the only film of the the three that we're covering that actually uses real chimps, and it's it's mm. it's uncomfortable and it's it's morally very mm. very questionable uh, to actually. I mean, it's not even questionable; it's morally wrong to have chimps on film like this, and it makes for uncomfortable viewing. And you look at you know you look at Rise, which we're doing, and obviously you know even then it was fucking disgust because like studios are like we're going to use real chimps because wetter seem pretty expensive, yeah. you know. And we've got these chimps here, so uh, but yeah, it's it's not nice when you sort of get into the fact that these chimps are clearly doing it under duress. Yeah, 
on the commentary, Tim Burton says that he put chimps up. He puts chimps up there with circus clowns and Santa Claus in terms of the fear factor, which is a strange insight into Tim Burton's brain. Father <laughs> um, Christmas won't rip your bollocks off. <laughs> Uh, have you been naughty or nice? <laughs> what happens if I say naughty? Yeah. Put some rubber glove. <laughs> so there is an electromagnetic storm heading their way and they send uh, the chimp Pericles into the eye of the storm and then they probably lose that chimp. So brave Leo isn't having any of that. So he launches his own pod to go on a rescue mission for a chimp he doesn't seem to like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what is, is it brave Leo or is it just like fucking... Oh, I won't be told what I can't do. Like, yeah. it, it, it seems that he goes after it because he's sort of like... Got boss. Oh, just fuck, don't tell me that I can't fly this spaceship. I think he does it for selfish reasons because his whole thing is, why can I not be a pilot? My friends are back home laughing at me on a birthday video going, ah, are you fine or is it still the chimps? And he's like, fuck this shit, man. Mm. I'm going to get in a pod and just do my thing. It's like, he's not really that interested in saving Pericles. He's interested in going, look what I can do. Yeah. Fuck it up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's very petulant, isn't he, from the off? And and I think that is the issue with the casting because Tim Burton usually casts sort of the weirdos and outsiders who had no mm. friends in school. And here he casts Mark Wahlberg, who, who feels like the guy who beat up those kids at school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you- it's just a disconnect from the off for him. He's never cast anyone like this before or since in, in one of his movies, I don't think. Yeah, I think there's a really weird major point as well that gets said early. Uh, and like feels like an important fact, but it's sort of mumbled by one of the cast where it's like these apes have uh, these apes have been gene spliced, chromosome advanced. Yeah. And you're like, wait, so these are special? These yeah. apes? They don't seem that special, do they? Yeah, they just seem like apes. But yeah. apparently, these are like high end apes. Yeah. This is like you pay top dollar for these apes. <laughs> uh, so he crash lands on the. He goes through a wormhole and crash lands on the Dagobah system from Star Wars. And... Yeah, right. That's <laughs> weird. Um, but also, like the only good bit. In that has happened so far in this utter catastrophe is the bit where, and I might have even got this wrong because it's not really clear, but it's it's old Mark Wahlberg who's maydaying back to the ship and they see his aged face on the monitor because oh, yeah. he's gone through the wormhole already. So he's already much older or something. I don't think it makes sense, but it's fucking cool. Yeah. Like the idea that you've aged really quickly in like 30 seconds because of this wormhole. Yeah. I didn't think it was him, but you're no, right. No, it's not him. It's, 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 isn't it his captain? I thought it was his captain. Yeah, I thought it was his captain. And then I was like, no, maybe it's him. So, yeah, it's weird. And the fact that I'm confused by that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say me. that's the best scene so far. But <laughs> What's the best scene so far? Um, exactly, it's that. So and immediately there's humans being chased by apes and captured and put in sacks and cages. Um what I like here is that the apes do seem to have ape strength because in the 68 version, they sort of, they're sort of as weak as men, whereas you, mm. you would expect them to be stronger uh, and more agile. Um, they leap through the air. This was, this was um, Tim Burton saying he was paying homage to the flying monkeys from Wizard of Oz. I think they look, I think they look a little bit silly, though, that some, of the, some of the jumps. Or, or is that just... No, you, you're 100% correct. Uh, the fact that we have to... Because... I don't know who fell in love with why I work more, Tim Burton or Tim Roth. One of the Tims has gone, do you, what we should do with this movie is I want like to get on a horse in seven different ways angrily throughout this film. <laughs> yeah. Just a different way each way. Let's do more why work. It's it's terrible. Yeah. 
Yep. Um, and he, uh, Leo gets caught and then very unnaturally touches an ape's leg uh, just so the ape can say, take your stinking hands off me, you damn dirty human. Mm. It's a bit cringe, isn't it? Yeah. Bit cringe. I mean, you know what I'm like. I love shit like that. And I went, I hate that. Like <laughs> normally just uh, simply referencing something is enough for me. It doesn't have to be a joke. It can just be a reference. I'm like, ah, oh, because yeah, awful, mm. awful business. Uh, and then we meet, we meet most of the main apes. So let's, let's, let's go through them. Uh, Helen Bonner Carter is looking sultry as Ari, uh, a chimp who has compassion for humans. Um, uh, this is Rick Baker, uh, a quote from Rick Baker. From the beginning, I knew Helena's uh, makeup was going to be the hardest. When they said they wanted to make her sexually attractive, well, I knew that was going to be tough. Yes, because Tim Roth looks amazing. Like the snorting and the anger and you can't tell what he's saying because he's fizzing away. Like that's, that's difficult because you cannot tell what he's saying. But he looks good. He looks like a monkey. Paul Giamatti looks amazing. Helena Bonham Carter, she's incredible underneath all of that. It's the uncanny valley thing again, mm. because she looks too much like a human being, but obviously off kilter. And it's so, it's like, it's not repulsive in the, in the you know, in like disgusting, but it repels you because it's so weird. She doesn't mm. look like a monkey. She doesn't like a human. It's just so in and the ult- middle. It's so odd. And ultimately, it was pointless because the Fox executives opposed the idea that... Didn't want to fuck her. Sorry. Car- yeah. <laughs> she couldn't... They wouldn't let her be Make the love interest. Make us something we want to fuck. There <laughs> yeah. were conversations like that. Yeah. Their words apparently were that would be weird and unnatural. Fair enough. And About um, what? About a romance between Mark Wahlberg and her character, yes. Ari? Um, okay. But Burton had a love scene planned, apparently, uh, but even an implied love scene between them was rejected. So it was just all completely Which dropped. is Which is fuck good, because <laughs> it's not a thing. Like, they're different species. She's not human. So it's too much. I mean, this is one of those times where, you know, you often go, fucking studio notes, yeah. fucking up a movie. This is a good studio note. Yeah, great this call, guys. One of those rare beasts. Yeah, that, yeah, I know it's just silhouettes, Tim. I know you just... <laughs> Sort of at a distance, soft and focus. <laughs> she throws her bra. <laughs> no. Um, so as you said, we've got Paul Giamatti as Limbo, who's an orangutan and, and a slave owner. Um, mm. uh, Michael Clark Duncan is Colonel Attar. Tim Roth is his boss, um, General Thade. Um, uh, he's a guy who who wants to wipe humans from the face of the planet. So he's sort of the Dr. Zayas character in this film. Um, mm. and, and we've got a couple of humans, Chris Christopherson and Estella Warren play them. Um, who, they're humans who can speak, but barely speak. It, it, it's confusing. I think the film's confused about whether humans should or could talk. Why is um, Chris Christopherson in this? Like, I, I, <laughs> I think I can only, if I close my eyes, I can visualize him in that opening scene. At the mm. very start, and then I don't think I see him again. Like, does he I, do anything? I he think it's to show off himself. How, he, he's there to show off how ripped he's got for an old man, and then yes, yeah, he's it, it's Tim Burton said that he wanted the humans to speak so that it would differentiate it from the original, but then he took out all of their dialogue, so it, it's just it's pointless. It's I just quite- Estella Warren. I just feel so. All she does is stare. Mm-hmm. She just stares constantly, specifically. Uh, Helena Bonham Carter yeah. and Mark Wahlberg Trying having, get having her an boyfriend. interspecies yeah. affair. And she's like, yeah. it's fucking disgusting. But she, she never can't says say anything. No. <laughs> she just looks like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, I'm uh, literally Leo- right here. <laughs> I am literally. I am a human. I'm a gorgeous human. I, th- I thought I looked good this morning when I put on my sports bra. And, <laughs> and yet you're not paying any attention to me. You're like, you're like, you're like that clever monkey bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it weird how every actor approaches playing an ape totally differently? Like, you know. Paul Giamatti, 
don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, I'm just going to do me. Yeah. I'm not going to change anything. Whereas Tim Roth goes, you can put as much makeup as you want on me and I'm going to still act past it. Like I am, the more makeup you put on me, the bigger this role is going to get. And like Tim Burton's like, take some of the fucking makeup off him. Like I'm, I'm worried that he's going to have a heart attack. He's been, like, no actor could, should or would be that big ever. Why is this happening? Yeah. I see over the top as a challenge. <laughs> and we're going to take a quick break. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. Plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And we're back. So um, Leo becomes a house servant in sort of a racial, interesting racial parallel that then is never explored because this film seems more interested in sort of having a bit of a laugh. So we've got a dinner party scene, which Tim Burton says is based on those paintings of dogs playing cards. (laughs) And he says that a few times on the commentary that stuff was inspired by those paintings. So Right. So inspired by paintings that people put in their downstairs loo. Good idea. Because we have got stuff like that, you know, these things that you've got the stone, you've got a couple of groups of stoned apes uh, during the movie. You've got a a scene where Tim Burton's then um, real life girlfriend does some kind of primate lap dance. Um, Mm. You've got, you've you've literally got the monkeys, uh, the apes playing cards and calling another one a cheetah, which is taken from the dogs playing cards. So a lot of it's played for comedy value, but none of it's very funny. No. No, it's like when, you know, it reminded me of the Flintstones or a Jim Henson movie, like a, like a sort of shit labyrinth. It was just, this is bad. This is bad. Mm. And the weird thing is that, you know, I tried to process this because obviously Tim Burton is a genius visual filmmaker, like, you know, but I'm watching it. I'm going, well, at the start, space is a very difficult thing for him to stamp his mark on, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's, there's, you know, you've got your sterile spacecraft and then just space. Yeah. You know? So there's not a lot there for him. And then you get to an alien planet and you suddenly like, what Tim Burton does is take 
reality and twist it. Yeah. So it's sort of like, you know, a city like Gotham, it's like, eh, this is a regular city, but it's not. It's yeah. my interpretation of that. Mm-hmm. Or like the fairy tale like world of Edward Scissorhands. It's like, this is suburbia, mm-hmm. but not. So he's twisting reality into his vision. Here, it's like, this is a fucking alien planet. So anything can be. Yeah. It's already like anything that your imagination puts down. It's just like, well, as the audience, we're like, all right, fine, because it's an alien planet. So this is just alien shit to us. Even with that in mind... This is an ugly looking film. Like there's no beauty in his sets. Mm. I don't think. Yeah, agreed. And 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 all those moments I've just sort of listed are played for laughs. Whereas you obviously you've got that moment that we talked about on Monday where the, the the human moment where they take the photograph and say smile and it's chilling there. So and it's just so much more effective. Mm. So God, what what happens in this film? From for the next half hour, I was sort of on on I'm bloody pilot myself. So um, Leo makes contact with a space station, his space station, and sends out a distress signal. That's important. That's going to come back later. Um, Charlton Heston shows up playing Thade's dad, Zaius. Hmm. Um, he's lying in bed. He's on his deathbed. He tells his son that he knows more will come, referring to the humans. He's trying mm-hmm. to keep a similar secret, I guess, to, to Zaius from the 68 movie uh, about the time before time when apes were slaves and humans were masters. But so there's also he some. Knows. St- so he, Charlton Heston's character, he knows the true history that we we find out at the end of yes. like the fact that yeah. right, okay, so he knows that right. So he's got the secret, but he's like, I've sealed it in this red orb that's in my bedroom and has been for years. And this is where I keep all my secrets in this red what? orb, what? the red orb of secrets. It's a, why has he put it in a flower pot? It I, I don't, I don't understand that at all. You you would think it would be somewhere with some symbolic resonance maybe or or somewhere that at least looks like it would it could fit that gun <laughs> so he he then has a Charlton Heston has a speech about guns what did you think about this scene vicky i mean i i i don't know what i think because obviously it contradicts everything that i know him for so what am i supposed to think that he's taking the piss out of you yeah is that is that what it is i don't i honestly i don't know or does he truly believe that Guns don't kill people, people kill people. Does he really believe that? So that you can make a speech like that in a film like this, which is people are awful, Mm. so it's not the gun's fault, it's just the people. Possibly, because he must have come at it, like, you know, knowing what he's, you know, being like Mr. Big NRA. Yeah. He must have sort of looked at this and gone, right, I'll do this because this fits in with my, you know. He won't have just gone, yeah, fuck it, that'll fuck with people. Yeah. I I feel like he thinks he's doing giving an anti a pro gun message, but I think it can be read as an anti gun scene. I I read it as that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So, but I think he I think he's he thinks he's 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 doing a pro gun scene, talking about their power. Um, no, I didn't because he's he's talking and, about and how devious it... we are and awful and you know left to our own devices. This is the sort of shit we come up with. Mm. But he's giving it to his son because that's what will defeat us as well because it's so powerful. I don't know. I think I think he maybe he was so old he didn't understand it. And anyway, I think I think the scene does make him look quite stupid. Obviously, when you know his politics. Yeah, so, but to take his politics out of it as a man, he's maybe the best thing in this movie. Like he's actually really good in that scene. That's agreed. quite a good scene. Hundred percent. And he uh, he also says that they mustn't let um they mustn't let Leo go to Kalimar. So oh my God. <laughs> had he just had he just watched had he just watched Temple of Doom? Do you not mm-hmm. think this is strange, Alex, <laughs> to, to to use that the, word? Just, the Calimar thing, just I know I'm jumping there, but for fuck's sake. So an ape has gone and seen the sign that says Calimar, but didn't scrape any of the other dust off where it would have said, what does it say? Caution live animals. They just saw the three 
the the thing of three, the six letters, and went, "That's a that's a word. That's enough. Okay, we're off." No, it's just fucking stupid. <laughs> Sorry. <sighs> so he before dying, he gets to say, "Damn them all to hell!" In another very cringy throwback to the '68 movie. Awful. Um, there are some fights now because Leo's crew sort of start riding into the army camp on horseback and smash the place up. But I'm, I'm struggling to pay attention there, so let's move on. He's never um, been the best. He's never been the best action director, isn't Burton? And this is this require this is a scene where no, you know, the, the only good thing that can come from this scene is some impressive action because there's no story at this point. There's no you, there's nothing you're invested in. Like they're riding through a camp because that's the best idea. <laughs> yeah, um, that, that's it. So you got to make it look cooler than this. They're trying to introduce the idea that that Leo is is a is a Jesus Christ like figure. Will he be their savior? He's this reluctant savior, but he he sort of. He sort of semi takes up the mantle and he finds his crash ship. Um, Kalimara is revealed to be caution live animals, as Vicky said, and it crashed there thousands of years ago. So he finds the ship's log. Um, the planet was uninhabited when they landed. The apes were stronger and smarter than they realized on the ship. They got out of control, overpowered and killed the humans. And uh, they they all died looking for him, basically. And Planet of the Apes was created. But this, but they, they were led by Seamus. Or what? Yeah, is that what he's called? Se- Seamus, Seamus, don't know. Seamus, Seamus, <laughs> Seamus, Seamus. Anyway, that's such a it's such a bullshit twist because it's like he's not introduced at the start. Like if you could go back and rewatch the start on the ship, and like even like they walk past one of the cages and one of the monkeys looks particularly mean or is yeah. banging on the bars, and you ju- if you looked properly, you saw his name was Seamus yeah. or something. There was some allusion yes. to like the, that that monkey, that monkey at the yeah. start, that ape at the start. But there isn't. It's just like they just pull. They could call it anything. They just pull this name out and go, "Yeah, it was led by this guy Seamus." Mm. Crap. So it, what that means is that distress signal that he sent out ended up being responsible for the deaths of his crew and the creation of the planet of the apes. Yeah. Well done, Leo. Uh, but oh. his story has nevertheless spread through the villages. Apparently he's the human who defied the apes. So a bunch of humans have left their homes to, to join up with him and follow him. I think they're expecting a rousing speech. Um, he gives a speech, but it ain't exactly Braveheart. Um, Sorry, are you going to mention what he says? Because I this has dep- actually depressed me all week. Well, and I can't you know, it, shake it off. I, I, well, I, there's a couple of speeches. So the first one I compare to Braveheart. The second one is when he's he's doing more Spartacus when it when he says we can win this. History mm-hmm. belongs to you now. This is the day mm-hmm. you've waited for. This is the day you get to stand up to the apes. Hmm. But what does he also say? He also says, it's "Time to tell, teach these monkeys no. about evolution." He stands up and he's trying to rouse them. He's trying to make them these humans realize their power. Yeah. And he says, "Our history oh, yeah. is filled with men who have done amazing things." <laughs> I do have it. Just do to better. put your mind at ease, I have that. I was like, "But listen, now you know I would gonna I'm gonna bang the drum about that. It's not for the." Uh, look, 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 there it is, right there. Oh, yeah. All yeah. Right. All right. You, You're fine. Am I? Yeah, we can Am be I friends. all right? All right, yeah. cool. There and we it's go. Highlighted, Thank so that's you. Very good. It's got a little star next to it going, mention this because it'll, <laughs> it'll be hilarious. Vicky's going to go fucking ape shit. It made me so sad. Not for the character, not for the film. The film is dog shit. Leo Davison is bullshit. I don't give a shit that he says that. Hmm. What I give a shit about is that. In the development process, the writer, producer, the actor, the d- fucking director never went, 
oh shit, that's not right. Like, <laughs> let's just fucking change it. Just change it to humans. It's not what the character says for the character. It's that no one, the hundreds of people working on this film, didn't think to change it because they don't care, because it's not important to them. And imagine if he'd stood there and gone, hey, straight people have done amazing things that's not all right white people have done amazing things not all right Mm. so no one gave a fuck and then i just think this fucking industry what is the point (laughs) what is the point it is i mean this is particularly bad i know it's a long time ago but it's not that it's not that long ago. it's really not though 2001 and you sort of think about the people involved in this and i think that's the weird thing you sort of you've got people who for right or for wrong and a lot of this is imprinting like you know excellent ideals on people you think like burton is a filmmaker i've always considered him like you know a kind of like uh, you know a forward-thinking individual, and you got Helena Bonham Carter on set, and you're like, "Fucking Helena Bonham Carter knows her shit. She's cool." And it is just weird, mm. like that. This sort of like no one, and you know, I guess you know that's the problem that you know maybe people wanted to say something and didn't feel that they could say something. Because I can't believe that Timber would go, "No, no, no." Leo Davidson would say that because he's a bit of a prick. Mm. <laughs> so you don't. He's meant to be a bit of a white bread hero. Like he's no, there's nothing to him. He's just a hero. He's a crap hero, but he's not meant to really have much character. So I don't buy, no. although no, it's never been suggested that it, he's the sort of person that just overlooks women in that way. I think this is just. I think this is just ignorance. Yeah, me this too. This is definitely not a character piece. No. This is not about him being, this is the kind of thing and he'd isn't say. Isn't that depressing? Mm. Yeah, no, it is. It is. So, but then, uh, you know, we got a good bit afterwards where all the apes explode <laughs> or it's an ape explosion. Yeah, well, Leo <laughs> turns work. on the thrusters and, and blows them away. And then you've got some dead apes, but also some dazed apes. So we watch people kicking the shit out of concussed apes, which is lovely stuff. Yeah. It's so weird. This film seems to be at this point just ticking boxes of what characters are meant to do. Like the kid who has had nothing to do in the whole film. It's like, let me, you know, you can be brave too. And you're just like, who cares? This is a moment that you expect during one of these final battles, big last stands. Yeah. But it's not been set up. Like nothing that happens earlier in the film. Also, this is an easy way to fix it. When they're saying to Leo, you're like you, you're like God, and Helena Bonham Carter's speech is like you just fell from the stars. It's like that's gorgeous, love that. But wouldn't it have been fun if there was like a leader already who told the humans, "I'm your God, like you do what I do," and it's not been going very well, or it has, or whatever. He turns up this like spaceman, and he's a threat to that person. So the other person withholds the army of humans, so that when the humans turn up, you're like, I didn't think they were going to come, but they do come because the resistance leader, I will call them, mm. goes actually, you're our God. Leo, I chuck it in with you, kind of. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. when the humans turn up, you're just like, oh, okay, cool. But there was no jeopardy that they weren't going to turn up, or well, you know, in this entire time, in this entire time that uh, Leo and and uh, Helena Bonham Carter's ape have been making googly eyes at each other, while you know the other one just goes, I'm angry, but I can't say anything. That should have been like a resistance leader having a relationship with mm-hmm. Leo yeah. and, and going, fuck you, I don't believe in you. And then flip, like doing, yes. a, doing a 180 on Easy that. Easy peasy, yep. Um, so then Pericles shows up, um, the chimp from the start of the film. He, he, We've established that he can't fly a pod, <laughs> but he lands his pod successfully, a thing that <laughs> Leo Davidson, a trained pilot, couldn't successfully do at the start of the film. Yeah, thus, thus proving that actually Mark Wahlberg was wrong at the start when he's like, don't ever send a monkey to do a man's job. Send a monkey yeah, to do a man's job. Monkey. Literally the opposite of what you said at the start. <laughs> uh, they lock Thade in a room and he sits under a desk. Why, um, when he shoots the glass, does it not ping back and shoot him through the head? Mm. 
Well, because he's got to get to Because he's got to travel through yeah, time and... All oh, right, fine. Yeah. And then he just hides under a desk like a frightened child. Like I actually quite like that moment. I think him hiding under the desk where it's sort of like that very primal thing where, yeah, you know, is, is quite an interesting end for his character mm. to mm. go from this all-powerful, swaggering, yeah. you know... To ape. a man that's scared by yeah. technology. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I agree. I agree. And then it's all over. The, the the war's over. They decide they'll mourn apes and humans together, so everything's fixed. Um, that's, everyone that's wants Leo moment. to. Everyone wants it's Leo so, to. It's so brilliant when Estella Warren says, to, "I can't remember the name of the character." If you'd stay, and he'd be like, "Are you fucking mad? <laughs> like what for? No." Yeah, it's weird because he does kiss both of them as well, doesn't he? Doesn't he? He kisses Helen Bonham Carter. He kisses Ari, uh, the ape. Yeah. And then he's like, "Ugh, yuck." Just in case <laughs> I ever come back here, I don't want it to be awkward. So. Uh, <laughs> Hey, Stella. Stella, yeah, you get one as well. Everyone happy? No, you've just run off. I could chase you and make sure you're all right, but I'm just going to get back in the space and fuck off. Cool, 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 cool. See ya. And he he makes it home through the wormhole. He lands in Washington at the foot of the Lincoln Memorial. But Lincoln is now Thade. Effectively, Abraham Lincoln. Yay. It says behind him, in this temple, as in the hearts of the apes, for whom he saved the planet, the memory of General Thade is enshrined forever. Uh, the cops show up, and they are all apes too, like in the original book, um, if you're listening on Monday. And then it ends with uh, Mark Wahlberg looking very confused, reflecting <laughs> the feelings of the audience. <laughs> so is, it, is there a moral lesson to be learned here? Like, are we supposed to think, is it just like, you know... He's landed here, or and this is just like what a fucking twist. Or are we supposed to go? He should have stayed. Like his, there's something about his character that made him go, "No, fuck this. I'm going to leave. You know, Pericles here. I'm going to leave the apes. I'm going to leave the humans, and I'm just going to fuck off back home." And that was the wrong decision. And he did. Like, are we supposed? Is he supposed to be selfishly? And this is the price he's paid for being selfish. But he's already been selfish, and he's had a moment. Of reflection because he's like, my selfish act in getting in the pod killed my crewmates. You don't care because you didn't care. You didn't know them, mm. you, the audience. You don't care about his moment because it doesn't lead to greater learning that he then puts into effect in the battle or anything. But that's his moment where he's like, I shouldn't have done that. So we can't have it twice. It, it, right, there was yeah. nothing moralistic in it. Uh, Tim Burton was just told he had to come up with something that would uh, was open-ended for a sequel. Um he said, we just went back to the overall mythology of Planet of the Apes of the book, even the other movies. For me, the whole thing has got a sort of circular structure to it. It goes around on itself somehow. Parallel universes, time travel, man slash ape, evolution, religion. Where do we come from? Where are we going? Do we just keep re-evolving? There was a feeling of wanting to do something where it was a parallel world, but it was all apes. And there was something about that I liked. I had this image of a weird, twisted parallel universe. So there was this idea of going back in a sort of twisting of time and again going through this juxtaposition of human slash animal and coming back into a world where you think it's normal but something has happened um people were so confused by the ending because it doesn't make any sense uh they going back that far in time that they actually had to put a dvd insert into the into the disc um to explain it with a diagram um <laughs> which, oh, yeah, I remember this. which isn't good when your film needs additional material to make sense of it it was kind of first in last out when it comes to time travel and that's why he was because he was the last to travel he went back the furthest and it doesn't really make sense uh, Tim Roth, he was the last to travel wait what so the first person to travel back went back the furthest and the last person to travel back went back the the closest it's it's you know it's, it's, it's why um pericles traveled before before Leo, but arrived after Leo. And so mm. they're sort of extrapolating that with Thade. But 
it doesn't really work. Tim Roth um, of the ending said, I cannot explain that. I've seen it twice and I don't understand anything. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm still, I mean, I'm not asking you to explain it because it doesn't make any sense, but I, I don't understand this. I don't understand how Thade gets out from being trapped under the, like whimpering under a desk to ever traveling back in time. He didn't have a spaceship. They, they're not capable of space flight. No. So how did he, like Mark Wahlberg, like that reality, Mark Wahlberg flies out with the only spaceship on the mm-hmm. planet. So how the fuck does he ever get through the wormhole? I guess he found another pod on the space station, but then, yeah. Cool. They didn't show that, though. That's fine. <laughs> well, no. I mean, all of this, you have to just sort of fill in some kind of blank because they didn't bother. Right. So that's it. Um, the film made back nearly four times its budget at the box office, so it was a huge hit. Wow. It only has 44% on Rotten Tomatoes. And um, looking back on it, Burton said, I think the real problem with the film was that the script that they wanted to do, I couldn't do. And I don't know anybody who could have done that for the budget we had. You have a release date and you are deconstructing the script for mainly budget reasons. And very quickly, the whole thing deconstructs. I don't know how better to say it. (laughs) So should we do the bits? Yeah. Uh, What was your favorite scene, Alex? Uh, the credits. <laughs> oh, Excellent. No, do you know what? I mean, I, 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 this film does really make me angry. Like, it, it makes me angry because it's it's just, it's so bad. It's like this, like, but not even fun bad. You just watch it and you're like, what's happening? Why is this? Ha- why? What is going on? The only bit that gets me is when Pericles gets chucked across the room by Thade. And there's a shot of him and it looks like, you know, when animals like are injured and they think they're going to die, like if you've got a pet cat and like it's going to die, it probably will start hiding under the bed. And it's the bit where Pericles, you think he's injured, like gravely injured, and you just see him sort of crawling back into like the cage on the ship. Oh, now, yeah. even though it's like, you know, all rotten and like, you know, decomposed after centuries, he still recognizes his own cage As home, and yeah. home and he wants to go and shelter there and potentially die. And that gets me every time. So weirdly, out of all the humans involved in this, <laughs> like actually, the, and I don't, I oppose chimp actors being in movies, but the chimp actor wins. It does the best thing. Uh, okay, so that your that was your favourite scene, Vicky. At uh, the ending, fuck it, <laughs> because it's bananas, and I don't care. And when the chimps get out of the car and they've got little police hats on, I like that. <laughs> so yeah, I do. I mean, what I I just I. It makes no sense. Abraham Abraham Lincoln looks cool. So you're not angry though. Not really. But this is the last thing you see in a movie. Like you, you yeah, know, but think- a movie that has been awful. So it right. doesn't matter. Fine. Uh, for me, I, I enjoyed a behind the scenes bit of the making of documentary. That's my favourite scene. Right. Where Michael <laughs> Clark Duncan's presenting it, and it's he's explaining how. Um, He's in makeup for five hours and he's up at four in the morning and you see you, you sort of start off with him with a, a camera sort of as he gets up, has a coffee, goes into work and he's there for hours. We, we sort of see him go through all the whole process and then Mark Wahlberg comes in and sits next to him, asks him how he is. Um, the makeup artist comes over, gives Mark Wahlberg some lip balm and then Mark says goodbye <laughs> and walks out. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> very, very funny. Very smug Mark Wahlberg and it's better than the whole movie. <laughs> um, who's your MVW, Vicky? Helena Bonham Carter. Really? Why? Yeah, I really do. I think it's a shame that she looks like a pretty lady and not an actual monkey. Mm. But the way she uses her voice, like you've said about acting past the makeup, she does so. She shows some restraint, I think, but maybe only when you compare her to Tim Roth. Like she's still doing a lot of acting, but she pulls it off for me. Like. I engaged with her as a character. I got over that uncanny valley thing. 
um, because of the way she uses her voice. The physicality thing, I don't know. I'm, I wasn't that bothered about it. But, and also because Andy Serkis does it so much better than anyone will ever do it. So I don't really care about the knuckle dragging and stuff like that. But the character of how she is and how she uses what she's got, I, you know, I liked her. So Incorrect. <laughs> she's like, no one, no one comes out of this film well. I well, mean, I know, but... Right. Okay, Chris, who's yours? You do yours. Uh, Rick Baker. I think he does a phenomenal job. As he said, he was told to do uh, Helena Bonham Carter's face like that. That was not his plan. But I think uh, the other rapes look absolutely fantastic. I think he did a bang up job. It just means he will have done a few versions and a group of dudes sat around and went hot, hot, not hot, bit hot, not sure. Yeah, you would. Few pints might. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's the process. Like, is she fit or is she not? Gross. Do you think they were people who worked for the studio? They just sort of went down to the little frat house and just went, yo, guys, yeah. who wants to earn a few extra dollars? <laughs> just come and tell us which one of these monkeys is hottest. Yes. Yeah, no, I'd totally do that one. I'd totally fuck that one. Yeah. Yeah, I'd hit that. But Great. Yeah. So, yes. How about this one? Have a beer. <laughs> now tell me what you think. Uh, incorrect, Chris. That is also incorrect. The correct answer uh, for MVW is Danny Elfman. The only person who comes out of this movie... Uh, and can hold their head high is Danny Elfman, whose score is actually fucking brilliant and weird and all like pipes and like drums. It's great. It's a great score. Danny Elfman. And what would you change, Alex? Uh, Tim Roth. And I cannot believe I'm saying this because <gasps> I like, and again, I feel like this is a movie where I have to prefix every sentence with I fucking love X, but he's so bad in this. Like it's, 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 it's unbelievable that like, he like rather than sort of like the makeup do the work, he attempts to, like I said, go past the makeup and act past the makeup in every scene. There's a scene where he I think he's supposed to be angry, and it won't just be him, but it's him on screen where he's like leaping about a cliff face for no reason, like rah, 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 like bouncing around on the wires <laughs> and then lands on a horse, and you're like, dude, <laughs> you should have said no. Like when you read that, it's like it's you come out of this badly, and part of that's your fault. So it's with a heavy heart. Tim Roth is what I change about this. Vicky, um, give Estella Warren just anything to do at all, rather than just be like pretty furniture. Um, I think you said this, Alex. Earlier. Make her a leader of the people. Mm. She gets kidnapped and made to be a house slave because Mark Wahlberg gets in her way. Like he fucks things up for her. And her whole character has been: we stay out of the way of these things, and that's going just fine for us. Mm. So you leave us alone. And he's like, "No, we've got a fight." And she's like, "We will not do that. We've existed for years without doing that. Fuck off." And he convinces her to bring her people to the fight. Yeah. That's so cool. Then it gives her something to do and it makes the ending like make sense. Because he just leaves her. And yeah, well, she's he, not equipped to deal with any of this. He just leaves her. Whereas he should be like, you, you, you've you, got this. You, you have can got rule this. now. Yeah. 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 I tell you, you can. I mean, I won't lie. It's unusual. You're a woman. Yep. Uh, you know, I did mention that men have done some great things, but maybe it's normally, time that women stepped up. So. Is, Chris, is, he def, is Chris Christopherson <laughs> is definitely dead? definitely dead? Is he definitely dead? <laughs> just check. He is. Oh, maybe I should stay. <laughs> Let me think about this. Give me a minute. Maybe I should stay. Oh, I really want to go, though. Pericles. Pericles, how do you feel about running this society as a, as a male ape? Though you're a male, that's the most important thing, not your species. Cool, cool, cool. You're in charge. Yeah, that. Yeah, I get it. Chris? Uh, I think a, a better ending would be he crash lands to Earth and he's greeted by a monkey version of Vincent Chase, Turtle E, Johnny Drama, and Ari. Anyone 
get that reference? Wait, no. Do it again. Fine, I'll move on. Or I think the alternative <laughs> ending could be um, the one that Tim Burton originally envisioned, but it cost too much money. Um, this is what he said about the actual ending he wanted to shoot. Our original idea was that we wanted to do the same thing as we eventually did, but at Yankee Stadium, and it yeah. would all be apes playing baseball. But I don't know if that would have been better. It's just fucking stupid. No, just but like, it's funny put a though. Monkey and whatever. Oh, I'm on the Titanic and it's run by monkeys. I would. It's just. Nailed it's just it. I think taking. <laughs> your I think taking. <laughs> but even ta- just simply taking Thade out of the equation might have made it less annoying. I think yes. by by doing that, it asks more questions than just having a monkey planet would have. Mm. And yeah, because right. they didn't set up anything. For that ending, it, uh, yeah, I think baseball would have been better. Mm. And it would have looked funny. Yeah. Or just, you know, put that bit with Charlton Heston in that speech. Have a bit where he goes, there, where this gun came from, there is another baseball. pod. <laughs> you know, just like have him like, set something up so Thade knows how to get off the planet. Like, whatever. But the baseball thing would be funnier. And we're done. Should we do a quiz? Yeah. Whoa. Okay. Okay. It's simply an eight- we might have yeah. Monkey Sorry, quiz. A monkey quiz, great. What was the name of the orangutan in the Clint Eastwood comedies? Clive. Clyde. 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 You got there in the end. One to Alex. Thanks. What northern city do the Arctic monkeys hail from? Sheffield. Sheffield. <laughs> Vicky got that. She got there first. Right, well right, done, right. Vicky. That is correct. That's a kind of monkey question. Um, who plays Taylor? And I want the character, not the voice actor. Who plays Taylor in Simpson spoof Stop the Planet of the Apes? Troy I want McClure. to get off. Hank Azaria. Troy McClure. It's correct. It's Troy McClure. Uh, did you both listen to Serial, the only podcast with more listeners than Clash? No. No. Oh. That's not good then. I'll forget that one. <laughs> well, I'll try it. What was, the ma- what was the name of the email marketing company advertised on every episode of Serial? Monkey. <laughs> Aping about. Oh, uh, MailChimp. Correct. Yes! <laughs> That's why I said it. I thought you might be able to figure it out. Uh, which, uh, you only get one guess at this, okay? One guess, so take your time. Which member of the Friends cast acted opposite a baseball playing chimp in the 1996 movie Ed? A baseball playing chimp in the 1996 movie Ed. Um, I'm going to go with... You can't say no after mine because then that reduces the number of people Vicky, the pool that Vicky picks well, let from. Let Vicky so... go first. She's got more chance of getting it if you go first because it's obvious. Is it? No, it's I'm not saying, obvious. I'm it's saying Courtney Cox. Um, I'm going to say, oh, I've forgotten all their names. Whoever plays Joey, I've forgotten his name. It's Joey! No. Is oh, it? God. <laughs> Matt LeBlanc. Matt LeBlanc. Well played. Oh, all right, last question. Who wants green drop drink? Oh, fucking, what's her name? Lucy? No, the. No, I'm not going to say it. I'd not always do this. What is she called? Mary. No. Oh, God. She's uh... called. Oh, Amy! My... Oh, you bastard! <laughs> <laughs> you bastard! <laughs> uh, oh, that's three shit. all. That's three hey. all. So, a... Okay. There's a tiebreaker. Um, right. I want you both to look up from your computers in case you've got it written down on your computer. No, no cheating. So okay. in what year was uh, Monkey Planet slash Planet of the Apes published? What year was the original novel 1963. published? 1963. Correct. Vicky takes it home. Yay! 
Well done. Thanks. That's a cheat though, because she had that movie. Mm-hmm. That's that, that would have been in her research. I didn't obviously research that movie. But you could have listened. Did you say it? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I should have listened. Story of my life. All right, then. Thank you very much. Congratulations, Victoria. Well played. Well played. Although, Amy, that was a big one. That was so good. Uh, right, then. Uh, so, uh, you gave us a clue on Monday's episode, yeah. which was... Congratulations on your little monster. Congratulations on your little monster. So, the pairing we are doing on Clash Pod next week is... Chris is going to do Rosemary's Baby, which uh... is on Amazon right yeah. now. And you're going to do The Omen, you, Alex, which is on Apple. Great stuff. I believe. The Omen versus Rosemary's Baby. That is your homework. We are doing that pairing one against the other next week on Clash Pod. Uh, right then, in the meantime, we will be back on Saturday, Saturday, uh, talking Rise of the Planet of the Apes and declaring our winner from our triple threat week, Chimp Carnage. If you haven't already, please subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your pods. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Clash Pod. Bye-bye. Speak to you Saturday. This was a Stack Production and part of the Acast Creator Network.